Alrighty, Aphrodite. It's Meredith Monday. For me, it's Sunday. Just sat down, preached a sermon, got home, ready to do this thing. Got my cigar. Let's go. Okay, Meredith Monday, and I uh, wasn't able to get hold of, or uh, it was my fault, but we were unable to connect uh, with Chris uh, this Monday, but uh, as a consolation prize to that, uh, we have kind of talked a little bit about uh, some of the future shows, and uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was to um, put together a sort of beginning to end um, look at, at Meredith Klein's Covenant Theology in particular, and um, the reason that would be good is just for any client fans that want to already know about covenant theology and you want to just sort of pick apart a uh, distinctive form of it in Klein's thought, uh, that, that'll hopefully be fun. And uh, we'll just get to look at it. And Chris is definitely the guy for the job and he'll help us out with that. Um, and uh, we'll, make, we'll make reference to a few of uh, the key works involved there if you did want to read along. So that's cool. I'm really looking forward to that. The other reason I wanted to do it, though, is because... It also just gives an opportunity for us to talk about covenant theology from beginning to end, um, not only in Meredith Klein's thought, but just you know in general. It's one of those things that you, you know, you always talk. Well, I'm always talking about, and we're always talking about in the show. And uh, you just, you know, it's one of those things you want to make sure that you um, aren't just assuming, but have gone through. I mean, I find constantly to do a run through from beginning to end is just always adding something new and helpful, and um, especially so if you haven't quite grasp the big concepts yet it's just super helpful to get an overview like that so uh yeah hopefully we'll do i don't know four five six seven who knows maybe 25 sessions um on that uh but but i'll try and keep it short and light and kind of moving forward as a positive spin rather than defending it against a whole lot of other things just to just to give a a a to z on on um, covenant theology would be great and uh, the best kind in my view in client stuff so there's that uh that's what's coming I, um, I preached a sermon today on Joseph and the way that he sort of uh, stands as the representative for the people as they answer into the land of Goshen. And you have all these amazing uh, images coming through with, uh, you know, Joseph bringing his family from the cursed famine into this glorious Eden-like land in Egypt. And uh, so much there in terms of the typology pointing us back to the first Adam and the last Adam. And it just really got me thinking um, in terms of Meredith Monday, just how important, uh, and we'll talk about this a lot, uh, but how important client's theology is, and how really actually all we're talking about is how important um, covenant theology is to the understanding of the greater theme of the Bible. Um, some distinguish between uh, what was federalism and covenant theology. Um, it really, it's quite an arbitrary distinction at some turns. Um, but if there's any kind of distinction, I remember I think uh, Lee Irons uh, distinguished federalism from covenant theology this way. I can't remember where I heard this, where I heard him say it, but I really liked it. I appreciated where he was going with it. Federalism, he said, is is sort of more the systematic theology. It's the the, I, the look of the the um, the architectonic substructure, you could say, of of scripture. It's the um, it's the whole thing from a systematic perspective. You got the two atoms, um, and it's just reeling all of that information under these two great federal heads. Um, that's federalism. Obviously, it has uh, impact on everything from 
original sin through to justification. So very systematic sort of angles there. Whereas covenant theology is the same thing, except it's thought of more in a biblico-systematic framework. So in other words, it's more a biblical theology thing, although not not strictly speaking, uh, because obviously there's a lot of overlap with systematic theology as well, uh, even with those uh, those constructed covenants, um, covenant of grace, covenant of works, eternal uh Uh, covenant, all those things are certainly part of systematic theology. But uh, maybe that's a helpful way to distinguish it. And where I'm going with this is that Klein, as a biblical theologian, did a lot of work on that covenant theology part uh, using the systematic framework. So in other words, he he really connected the dots between the the Bible's own outworking of redemptive history and its covenants to uh, this uh, reality of of the systematic... um, uh, theology of, of, of the Reformed faith that involves a, a federal understanding of, of the two Adams. Um, it's really, it's it's often, um, and you know, anyone who's gone to a Reformed church will experience this at some level. And even if you've read old Reformed books, and there was a style of doing theology that was perhaps, it was legitimate and it, it was good, but it just, it sometimes fell prey to proof texting. And even if the proof text was correct uh, for a certain doctrine, uh, you know, typically if you read Burkhoff or just read your, any old uh, systematic, you'd have like the the doctrine stated and then a few, you know, key references. And uh, they might well have been good key references. It's just that sometimes they're so obscure and you don't really know why they use that as a reference or it feels like it gives the impression that the whole doctrine stands or falls on that reference. When in fact, uh, there's obviously there's a lot of the time there is more to it than that, and um, and you know at its worst, it just it led to kind of placing a system over the the exegesis of individual texts. Um, now, covenant theology at its best, or biblical theology, keeps that from happening. It 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 it's, uh, provides a uh, a strong basis for the systematic frameworks. Uh, in other words, you don't just simply hang it on one single. You know, key text here and there, you build a whole redemptive historical flowing out of the story to to lead you to understand why the systematic categories of covenant theology are true. And uh, and again, I mentioned that because Klein, that's his speciality. That's really what he did. Uh, he took what was commonly known about covenant theology and commonly understood and confessed um, and believed uh, amongst you know, Reformed Christians and, and gave it this... Uh, well, he really looked at the biblical backbone behind that and, and built it up from the ground up, as it were, showing that, you know, whether you come from the top down with the systematic category all the way to the Bible, or you go from the ground up, building from biblical theology all the way through to your systematics, um, it doesn't matter. Either way, it's the, it's the biblical outcome. It's the thing that, that uh, the Bible teaches. So it's just good to know about that because... You know, sometimes if you felt, hey, I've looked at Covenant Theology, I saw the random references here and there, and you felt like, well, that wasn't persuasive. You know, Klein is definitely the guy to look at because, you know, he will take you from Genesis onwards and uh, show you there's, you know, there's really no option but to believe what what those great uh, Covenant theologians of the past taught and um, and just maybe didn't, didn't give us uh, as much in terms of their inner workings uh, and their calculations in getting there. So, uh, again, this is all exciting to, to uh, think about as a lead-up to what we'll look at um, in weeks to come on Meredith Monday. Um, so hopefully, hopefully you're keen to do that. And uh, like I say, even if it's not about Klein and more just getting your head around covenant theology on its own, um, I trust that that will be helpful to you.
Um, the other thing that I wanted to just mention in this particular um, episode is the very, very important relationship between covenant and kingdom and Christ. Um, again, it's, I'm just scared we don't mention this in the episodes that are coming up, and this is an important bit of groundwork. Um, a lot of, you know, we talk about the covenants being the big overarching theme of Scripture. Uh, a lot of people talk about the kingdom being the overarching theme of Scripture. Um, and we understand intuitively, if nothing else, that the kingdom and the covenants are are related. Uh, and certainly they are. And uh, we've, we've mentioned that, I suppose, in a back-to-front way, talking about the two kingdom stuff and showing how that comes out of client's theology. Um, and that's that's certainly one way to look at, it, but that's more in, in line of uh, or in light of of the the various uh, polemics out there with Kuyperianism uh, or neo Kuyperianism and two kingdom theology. Another way to think about it, though, is that the kingdom and the covenant. Just leaving aside two kingdom theology, um, let's just let's just assume its correctness or you know whatever. Um, you you have this unavoidable connection between the kingdom and the covenants from the very get go, uh, and you have to understand why that is. Um, and, and then even, you know, you'll have some that come along and say, hey, um, Christ is actually the theme of Scripture, you know, or, or some others will go, well, justification by faith is the big, big deal of Scripture. And others will say, well, it's the resurrection, you know, to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. And, you know, all of those are right. And there's, they're all interconnected. And, and to understand why that is, is very, very important, I think. Like I said, you've got the kingdom. The kingdom is from the very get-go. It's, uh, you know... God creates his, his kingdom. Uh, he enters into Sabbath glory, day seven. Uh, it's right there from the very beginning. And yet the way that he administers the kingdom is through covenant. All right. And um, obviously that begins with the covenant of works. And uh, this is all mapped out in the covenant of eternity. And it, uh, it, it after the fall, even moves uh, via the covenant of grace. These are just, this is all it is, is an administration of the, the kingdom of God. First, uh, in its, uh, we might say, offered form or foreshadowed form all the way through to the end when uh, Christ comes to fulfill the new covenant and bring in the kingdom. Um, so, you know, just understand that kingdom and covenant are like basically one thing, look, looking at it from two different angles. And then the other thing is that Christ, of course, is king of the kingdom and administrator of the covenant. So, or mediator of the covenant, uh, we could say as well. Um, and so, you know, there we go. You got Christ the King, you got the kingdom, you got the administration of the kingdom and the covenants. I mean, it's all just various ways of talking about the same thing. You could even put uh, justification, resurrection in there, as long as you're understanding the covenant of the kingdom in a certain way. And I remember being so helped by Lee Irons on this issue. Um, I can't remember which lecture it was, but, you know, at some level, or maybe it was a, uh, probably it was an article, I, I'm not sure, to be honest, but at some point, I know he said this, um, you you have to be careful of thinking about the kingdom in terms of a European system kingdom. And I think most of us probably will think that way. If we, if we, you know, think about the kingdom of God, we, we now in Western civilization where we are might not have like a kingdom uh, quite in the same way as the monarchical sort of kingdoms of old, but we understand it that way. So you've basically got your, your king on the throne and the subjects and the, you know, the monarch says do this and they do it. And that's the end of it. Um, but the idea of the kingdom of God is is uh, much more ancient Near Eastern, and this is again where where Klein just shines in terms of his insights, because he points out that they were very aware as those who received the kingdom, uh, 
thinking about Israel and those who foreshadowed the kingdom at that point, um, that the kind of kingdom God was was uh, talking about was a kind that involved not simply a monarch and subjects, but a monarch and federal representation uh, or a vassal king and its subjects. So there would be the great king, there would be the vassal king who would represent the great king and um, and and there would be the subjects. And really the, the, the welfare of the people depended upon the obedience of the king, you know, according to the stipulations of the suzerain treaty. So if, if a great king and a lesser king entered into a covenant together, there would be all sorts of, you know, make sure you do this and don't do this, and otherwise this will happen and that sort of thing. And this was commonplace in, um, you know, political sort of um, understanding and just the, the way that the way that life would go, really. And so... You know, of course, if if uh, you you had a vassal king that wasn't obeying the the treaty um, of the, the the great king, uh, there would be trouble for the people. And you see this all through uh, out uh, the book of Kings and really just the whole Old Testament story. Uh, when the king does well, the people do well. When the king uh, disobeys, you've got this downward spiral for the people as well. And um, that's all to set up an understanding of, of the kingdom that works in such a way that uh, accords with the covenant administration, where you've got a representative king, first in Adam, then in Jesus. Uh, if the king fails, the people fail, that's why, you know, we have the problem with the the state into which we are born, uh, our covenant in Adam. And uh, Adam was the first king. He was the first uh, representative. He was the, the first mediator of the kingdom. And, uh, and he failed, and so Christ came, and he was the, the perfect administrator. And, you know, all, the, all that um, the good theocratic kings of Israel pointed to, the one that would cause the people to flourish uh, because of his own work. And, um, and so the reason I'm mentioning that is because even then, I mean, if, if, you, if you understand the kingdom in those terms, you understand also that it's absolutely, totally linked to justification by faith, um, imputed righteousness. I mean, all of that is just the federal representation of the vassal king. Um, and the resurrection, of course, I mean, and, and what got me thinking all about this is um, Joseph even just being a kind of resurrected savior, bringing the people into the land. Uh, thought of to be dead, but then was alive and uh, alive so that he might bring others to salvation. I mean, all of these things are just glimmers of the way in which uh, the kingdom is administered and the way in which it works. Um, it's an ancient Near Eastern styled kingdom in that sense. God using the, the or providential, as Klein would argue, he providentially organized all of history to to um, to form these ancient Near Eastern uh, kinds of, of, of treaties so that the platform could be laid, uh, the groundwork of understanding could be there for understanding uh, what he was revealing uh, to Israel and really um, to the world through the, through the scriptures. And so, you, you know, the, the big, it's a big convergence of themes, basically. Christ, the kingdom, covenants, justification, resurrection, they're all in there. No one's wrong. They're all just looking at, you know, if, if someone wants to argue, hey, Christ is the, the, the theme of all of Scripture, amen. But Christ doesn't just rule in a void. Uh, he, he rules the kingdom. He rules through covenant. Uh, he rules through a, a federally representative, uh, representative um, or at least a mediated covenant, according to ancient Near Eastern styled thinking. It's, it's that kind of kingdom. 
And, and so, again, you know, you got resurrection, you got everything in there. So or the reason I'm bringing that up, uh, you might feel like, ah, oh, you know, covenant, why are we making such a big deal out of covenant? Shouldn't we be thinking about Christ? Um, yes, we should. <laughs> and, you know, we are making a big deal about Christ if we're making a big deal about the covenant. And, uh, you know, for those guys who who are more into a biblical theology kingdom thing, uh, that they, they tend to go, hey, no, the big theme of Scripture is the kingdom. Well, we are thinking about the kingdom when we're thinking about covenant. We're thinking about all these things. And we got those gospel guys like the Lutheran dudes that want to talk about, you know, justification is the big theme or Christ crucified and the gospel. Well, amen. We're talking about that too. Um, so it's not one pitted against the other. It's the, they're all working together in harmony. But but the one confirms the other. To understand uh, the kingdom in a certain way only confirms justification and resurrection. The the um, to understand covenant in a certain way only confirms an understanding of of the kingdom. And so they're all just organically connected and and, and moving forward together to present this unified Bible story. So that's all I want to say uh, in this session, um, just to keep in mind the convergence of the themes of uh, all that we'll be thinking about in the next few um, weeks. And then also just to keep in mind that when we think about those themes in particular, this is where Klein shines. He dedicated his life in this very area and uh, has so much, so much insight to to help us, or has brought out so much insight that helps so, so much in reinforcing what we uh, what we can see in the scripture itself. It's not like you have to dig into Klein stuff to understand the Bible, but uh, you know, just to just to provide those insights as we go, um, uh, in 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 perhaps ways that are a little bit more sharpened or solidified. Um, so there we go. That's I'm going to turn this into ramble if I don't stop now. So that's it, Meredith Monday. I'm going to relax, finish my cigar. Hope you're doing well, and um, I will see you tomorrow for Two Kingdom Tuesday. Bless you. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.